Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, episode 47, Dead Body in the Audience. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them in the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We begin with a quote from Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. Today I want to talk a little bit about what it means to go about our Father's business. That expression comes to us from Luke chapter 2 in a brilliant story about an encounter between Jesus and his earthly parents. The short version is that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, who was 12 at the time, traveled with a pretty large caravan of other relatives and acquaintances from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. After spending a number of days there, the caravan left to return home. Over a day of travel passed before Mary and Joseph, who first assumed that Jesus was just traveling in another part of the group, realized that he wasn't with them at all, and they turned around to go find him. They spent three days frantically searching until they finally found him in the court of the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening and asking questions. They were overwhelmed at finding him and immediately sort of began to go off on him about how worried they had been and asking how could you do something like this to make us so distressed. In verse 49, he replies, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Even at a young age, Jesus knew who he was and had an instinctive urge to go about the work that his father sent him to accomplish. He didn't even think twice about leaving his earthly family to go to his true father's house. What is the father's business over our life? What has he called us to accomplish? If we search our spirits deep enough, I know that we all possess the answer. Even if we haven't accessed it yet, it's intrinsic to our being. In John chapter 5, there's an incredible story about Jesus healing a man at the pool of Bethesda. Side note, Joel and I are actually going to Israel at the end of this month, fingers crossed, and one of the destinations we will be going to to lead worship is the actual pool of Bethesda. I am so excited I could burst about experiencing that place in person. I almost said experiencing it in real life, uh, like it's some kind of fairy tale location, but I'm so excited to actually 
stand where the pool of bethesda was um anyways this story has so many layers that i know we'll dive into one day uh from different perspectives because this whole story is really fascinating but today i just want to focus on what happened after the miracle not the miracle itself you see one of the many things about the father's business in jesus's life was to heal the sick he took it as seriously as a son who had been training his whole life to take over his father's business when he retires. Healer was literally part of what he considered his occupation. I'll show you. In John chapter 5, beginning at verse 15, right after Jesus healed the lame man by the pool, it says, The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews began to persecute Jesus continually because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now. He has never ceased working, and I too am working. I was curious about the word translated here as working and wondered if it had any deeper meaning broader than... Uh, what I actually assume that it means, and it doesn't. It means to labor and to perform as an occupation. Jesus was literally saying, healing the sick is my job. In this life, we all have occupations and things that we need to do to sustain us financially that allow for our family's needs to be met. But how often do we actually ask the Lord what our true job is meant to be? What has he called us to do or to be that has absolutely nothing to do with financial gain? And even if we do know the answer to what we're called to do, because it's not our financially beneficial occupation, how often do we get distracted and not follow through? Or let's take it a step further. How often are the things he has called us to do not glamorous or meant to only matter in his eyes where no one else can see. So we don't give it our time or our energy because it doesn't matter to the seeing eye. So why should it take up my time that could be better spent, better spent <laughs> doing things others could see and praise? I'll take it even further than that. How often do we actually clock in to do that work that he has beckoned us into only to allow ourselves to become discouraged when our emotions kick in and tell us it wasn't good enough. Then we spiral into the feels and discredit the work we have done for our Father because it wasn't what we assumed the outcome should be or it fell short of our expectations. I have a crazy story to tell you guys. <laughs> this is wild. Totally true story, really happened, okay? Over a decade ago, I learned the lesson of showing up and doing my job well in spite of distractions in a way that I hope none of you have ever had to experience. Honestly, it was terrifying and one of the most anxiety-ridden experiences I have ever had to endure. At the time, I was doing a lot of musical theater work and I was traveling all over the country going from show to show. It was Christmas time, and I was living just up north of Chicago working at this glorious theater called The Fireside. 
Over the course of two years, I did two different shows there. And oh my goodness, it was the funnest job I have ever had. This particular show was special. The, uh, the first, half, first half and the second halves were two different shows that were combined into one show. So instead of having like act one, two, intermission, act three, four, it was show one, intermission, show two. Um, the opening show was called Fireside Christmas, and it was your typical holiday extravaganza that had well-loved Christmas carols, Santa, toy soldiers, and all the bells and whistles that you were hope you would hope for in a family holiday show. After intermission, the second show would begin, and that one was called The Child. It was this beautiful show that told the love story between Mary and Joseph. We had a live band on stage with us, uh, and it was just so much fun. We had a blast. I played the role of Mary, and thank God they had us dressed in, uh, like, actually kind of what I'm wearing now, just very, like, basic uh, dark-colored clothes, and I didn't have to wear some kind of uh, old-timey biblical <laughs> outfit with, like, a uh, cloth over my head or something. So it was it was really, really fun getting to play that role in more of a modern context. Um, the theater was designed in the round. So uh, that means that the stage was in the center of the audience with um, the different seating sections were around us. Um, the same went for the balcony. So it, it actually, it took a little bit of getting used to standing on the stage and realizing that you had to work the entire room, not just what was directly in front of you. So you're working every angle. Plus when you looked up, the balcony went all the way around as well. And the balcony was lower than I've ever seen it at other theaters. And so you would look up and it felt like someone's feet were like right <laughs> at the top of your head. They weren't, but it was just, it was very close. Um, oh, and another thing, the stage rotated. There were two parts of it that rotated. So it was like a diamond almost shaped stage. Um, and then inside it, there was a round kind of walkway that circled like this. And then on the inside, there was a circle that was another platform that went up and down. So <laughs> if you were working the outside of the stage, they sometimes would lower the middle of the stage down to like load other actors on or load another scene on. In our case, in the child, the band was on that middle circular stage. And so when the speaking parts were taking place, the band would be lowered so it wouldn't be a distraction and then the band would come back up. So you had to be really careful um, when you were up on the outside stage and the center stage was lowered. It was like 16 to eight, I think it was 18 feet that it could go down. And so you had to be really careful that you didn't fall in the hole, otherwise be big problems. We had to go through like extensive training how to not fall in the hole. It was wild. <sighs> Anyways, like it, it, just the whole thing was crazy. Like in any other show that I've ever learned or been a part of, you know, you have your stage directions and, um, involves like, do you enter and or exit from stage left or stage right? 
Uh, in this particular show, you had six different aisles that you could come in and out of. And then there were all these networks of tunnels um, behind the stage and throughout the back of the theater. There was one uh, one connecting point that you actually had to run through the gift shop if you had to make that connection. And I had to do that a couple of times. And it was so funny, like trying to run through the gift shop, trying to make my next cue. Um, it was a wild experience working in this theater. And I love it. If I ever got asked to go back, I would go in a heartbeat just because it was wonderful. Anyways, all that to say, I'm trying to paint a picture of this incredible theater and the experience. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of focus. Um, the shows themselves were, um, they weren't very complicated as far as uh, learning this, the script. Um, the songs were incredibly complicated, um, which I loved. Uh, Danny Hamilton and Gary Richardson wrote the show that I was working on, and they are just both brilliant. So there was a lot of focus required um, to make sure that these shows were done with excellence and done really well. Uh, and as an actor, I really wanted to show up and do my job to the best of my ability in this crazy uh, layout of a theater that I never experienced or worked in in any other shape or form in my life leading up to that point. Okay, so on this particular day, I was in our dressing room, the girls' dressing room, getting ready, when one of the stagehands came running in frantically and said there would be an additional 10 minutes added to the intermission that day and that I needed to go to the cast common area in five minutes for a meeting with Mr. Ed. Now, Mr. Ed was the in-house director who was responsible for keeping everything and everyone functioning. He was this short, quirky, Jewish curmudgeon who I absolutely adored. Uh, the rest of the crew thought he was cranky and mean, but somehow I understood him. Um, he and I would have all the, like, so many afternoons when I was working there. We would meet at this little Irish pub by the theater, and we would eat beer cheese soup, and we would drink hot tea, and talk about the Lord, and talk about life, and everything in between. Uh, I loved him. but. At this point, I knew that if Mr. Ed called a meeting uh, in the middle of a show, something was really wrong. So the cast arrived to the meeting frantic and confused. Not only was Mr. Ed there, but the owner of the theater and his son were by his side, and they all were wearing the palest faces I've ever seen on any of them. Mr. Ed just said bluntly, there's been a death in the audience. And we all gasped in horror. Um, he went on to explain, oh, this is so sad and precious. He went on to explain that this elderly gentleman had passed away during the first show. He and his family had a yearly tradition to make an almost four hour trip to come and see the Christmas show. And even though he was in poor health, he begged for the tradition to continue. They were seated in the second row of the balcony and apparently, as our opera singer was singing Oh Holy Night, he took his flight to glory. Honestly, it was really precious to hear that he had breathed his last breath in the place that he loved and surrounded by his whole family. But um, there was a catch. His wife was so shocked, as were his children, that they didn't want to move his body from the seat. They wanted him to be able to finish the show. So, 
we were informed that for the second half of the show, there would be a dead body in the audience. They were going to wrap him up in a blanket to keep him seated upright and put a hat on him so that he wouldn't be a distraction to the other attendees. Oh, and they weren't going to tell the rest of the audience either. They didn't want to cause panic. So we were meant to perform uh, as if nothing happened. And we were given explicit instructions that if the family began to weep, we were just supposed to be louder than them, either talking or singing. You can't make this up. It was crazy. So the cast whipped up into this frenzy, arguing that the show should just be canceled so that the body could be moved. But the owner insisted that that's what the family wanted, and he felt the need to honor their wishes. Uh, the actors kept arguing until Mr. Ed clapped his hands so loudly, I swear the sound echoed in that little room. And after he got everyone's attention, he said, we are in the business of entertainment, and come hell, death, or high water, the show must go on. So get your rears out there, don't look in the second row of section four in the balcony, and do your jobs. Well, needless to say, we got our rears out there and gave one heck of a second act performance. I'll be honest, I looked up there at that very sweet and very dead man. <laughs> who looked straight up like Weekend at Bernie's, wrapped in this bright red and blue plaid blanket and this like orangey beanie ball cap. As I was singing this song called The Blessed One, which was the duet between Mary and the angel Gabriel, and I got really choked up. Uh, his poor wife had her head on his shoulders and was sobbing, and I almost broke, but I just kept hearing Mr. Ed's voice in my head saying, just do your job. I know this is a wild example, but hopefully it can get your attention in the same way that it got mine. On days where I feel burdened or stressed or worried and wanna lean into those emotions and away from the job that God has called me to do, it's no longer Mr. Ed's voice in my head, but that of Holy Spirit saying, just do your job. The things of this world will pass away and all that will remain is the realm of the Spirit and we will have to answer to Jesus whether or not we picked up the mantle that he left for us. Are we going about our Father's business without question or opinion, both in the dark or in the light, in private and in public? Have his ways become our ways? Have his thoughts become our thoughts? Has his business become our business? In hindsight, if I was in a place with divine that I am now, uh, I probably would have burst out of that meeting and gone and prayed with that family. Um, I would have prayed over that sweet man and asked the Lord if it was his time to go or if we needed to pray to call him back. Um, I probably would have lost my job, but I would have been fulfilling the job of healer that I know Jesus has called me to do. I would have been fulfilling the job of comforter that he has called me to do. I'm going to be really honest. Um, I had one of those moments today, actually. Um, I was considering postponing this musing until next week um, because a couple weeks ago, 
uh, I can't believe it's been that long already. Long story short, I tore a tendon in my shoulder. Thankfully, it's not fully detached and the doctors think it'll heal without surgery. But I have been in so much pain these last couple weeks and just trying to ask the Lord for my healing and believe for my healing and go about my day-to-day life and just speaking his healing over my body. And this morning I woke up, I'll be honest, I didn't go to church um, because I was feeling so bad. I just was feeling awful. And I text Joel um, because he was at church working and just told him like, I just don't know if I can do this today. I, I just don't know if I have it in me. Like I'm in so much pain. I don't want to get out of bed. And he messaged me and he just said, you know, you got to do what you feel to do. Like if you're not feeling up for it, like take care of yourself. But if you feel like you can muster the strength, like go ahead and, and put yourself together and do it. And so I was laying there and I was just frustrated and I was stressed. And I was like, Lord, I believe that you've healed me. but I just, I'm I'm hurting so bad. Like the thought of even raising my arm up to blow dry my hair just sounded like torture. But I got up out of the bed. I watched church from home and um, I got up and I got in the shower. And as I was in the shower, I was just crying because it was, it was hurting even just to lift my arm up to wash my hair. And in that moment, I heard Holy Spirit say, I told you to do these. I told you that divine musing was part of your assignment. I I remember the day he told me to do this series and I was in the shower and I was crying and I was like, Lord, I can't do this without you. And I felt the sarcasm of Jesus so strong say, that's the point. (laughs) He's so sarcastic with me, y'all. I don't know if he is with you, but Jesus is so sarcastic with me. Maybe because that's uh, how he knows I'll know it's him. But, and so in the shower this afternoon, I, I said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to postpone this. And then I realized what I'm talking about, about showing up and doing the job that God's called you to do. And I realized, okay, Lord, you're teaching me as I'm attempting to, uh, unpack this revelation of showing up and going about our father's business. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely don't have it all together. And today has been an act of faith to even show up and do this. Um, but I hope that that communicates to you uh, just the the weight that I know that the Lord is putting on our callings at this time, the weight that I know he is calling us to take on that burden of his glory, that burden of um, his calling the mantle that Jesus left behind for us to pick up is right there waiting for us. The power that he left behind for us to walk in is available as long as we show up, as long as we say, you know what, I am going to go about my father's business more than I'm going to go about my own business or my family's business or my boss's business or my church's business even. What is the father's business for my life? And whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to show up. Whether my body feels like it's ready for it or not, I'm going to show up. Whether my emotions feel like I'm capable or incapable, my emotions don't matter when it comes to the Father's business because at the end of the day, all I want to hear is well done, good and faithful 
servant. And so I know this has been a lot today. It's crazy talking about singing to dead bodies. Um, but I hope that that uh, helped paint a picture to you because it, it revolutionized my life. If I could sing uh, and perform with a dead body, literally like 15 feet from me, <laughs> um, uh, I think I can accomplish just about anything without being distracted. And I'm sure all of you have crazy stories about things that you've endured. And if you can endure it, you can endure a little bit more. Um, but if you're in a place today where you're just like, Lord, I, I know you have a calling for my life. I know that you have things that I'm meant to do, but I'm just, I'm struggling. I, I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to focus. I don't know any number of don't knows. Um, why don't we come together and just pray a prayer, uh, just of agreement and of surrender today. Divine creator, you sent your son Jesus to earth to show us the way the way to go about your business and to sacrifice our personal emotions, our personal desires, our personal needs and wants, and to surrender them to the work of your kingdom, to surrender our hopes and our dreams and our lives, to lay them down at your feet as offerings and say, what would you have us do with the time we have been given during our assignment here on this earth. God, meet us in our frailties today and give us strength for the job ahead. Give us wisdom for the task ahead. Give us a hope and a joy and a faith that will get us through the hard times on the journey ahead, Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender this journey to you. We say it is not our will, but yours be done, Jesus, on this earth as it is in heaven. And we are willing to do whatever it takes in our earthly strength to bring your kingdom to this earth. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our wills, and we surrender to become vessels of transformation into this world that we know you love so much. Make us conduits of your anointing. Make us conduits of your glory. Make us conduits, open vessels that receive all that you are and pour it out onto humanity, that pour it out in a light in the darkness. Jesus, we surrender to your work. We show up to do your work, to go about our Father's business. We are honored that you have called us. We are honored that you have chosen us. And we show up for you in the way that you have always shown up for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew, goodness. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I want to leave you with a short poem from Langston Hughes. Life is for the living, death is for the dead. Let life be like music and death a note unsaid. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too.
Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash destiny makes music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.